Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, good morning, everyone. Yeah, I get a little word of encouragement from uh, Caleb as I walk by, walking up here. Caleb said, hey, don't go up there and mess this up now. And uh, so I appreciate that, Caleb. Uh, for those of you who are watching from home as well, uh, we thank you, and uh, we appreciate you guys being here with us. Uh, Barry, if you're out there watching, uh, we love you. There's a few of us that miss you. Uh, not many, but uh, no, nah, brother, you know we love you. Hope you guys, uh, those of you, if you don't know, Barry's on a sabbatical, and uh, you know, sometimes as a preacher, you preach and preach and preach and you do stuff, but it's, it's good to be able to disconnect and recharge your batteries. And, uh, and Barry was at that point, man, it was great. Uh, he and I have had many times in, in his office that we've talked and counseled each other. And uh, love him like an unborn brother, man. I really do. So hope you guys are having fun. All right. Today, we're going to continue our summer series. Uh, this one will be on comfort. And uh, comfort meaning you stepping out of your comfort zone. You know, so many times we get comfortable with things and we just kind of sit in our bubble of where we are. And uh, you can tell you know, when, you, when you get pushed to step out of that, the uneasiness that can be in your heart with that. And uh, the scripture today is going to come from Luke 10, verses 25 through 37. Lynn, if you would pop that up there. Man, I was going to read that. Boy, I got to squint to read that. Then an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he asked him. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, he told him. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus took upon the question and said, A man was just going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped and beat him, and then they fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be coming by down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, on his journey, came up to him, came up to the man and had compassion upon him. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. And then he put him on his animal, brought him to an inn, and had him taken care of. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra that you may spend. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The one who showed him mercy, he said. Then Jesus told him, go and do the same. As we start this out, the first part right there, 
the expert of the law. You know, this, we've, we've all been around these. Lynn, if you would put that slide up. The expert of the law wanted to test Jesus. See? He said, how can one inherit eternal life? Ex- the concept of inheritance involves not only entering the kingdom from faith alone in Christ alone, but receiving the rewards and quality of life associated with following God. See, for me, my own personal, and I say me as in me and my family, our own personal deal, you guys know this from the last time that I stood up here in the pulpit, it was a huge step out for us to move from Mississippi to Georgia, coming over and not knowing anyone, getting out of our comfort zone, getting into an area where we knew no one at all. And I mean, yeah, we had met Barry and you know, we had met Lynn and I talked to a couple of people. But I mean, when you're talking about uprooting your entire family, everything that you know, and you leave the comfort of your home and your family, you know, if you need somebody, you pick the phone up, you make a phone call to come here. And the risk versus the reward, God has just blessed us so much. You know, and even even at the, the school at the time, we were in the rebuilding phase to step out and, and come over and and Lynn could tell you this time last year, man, we were like, we need 180. We need 180. And we were at what? 115. So the, the, the comfort of being able to go to a job and you know, everything is just there. But it's faith alone and Christ alone and believing that God's going to take care. And he did. And it was just, it was, it was incredible. Then Jesus asked the man how he read the law. And the man answered by quoting those two scriptures back to him. The next slide, Deuteronomy 6, 5, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Now, let me just say something. You know, when you read something and there's emphasis on each word, and my wife will tell you that I am by far not an English teacher. Science and chemistry and math are my things. But I did pick up a few things along the way. And when you read in that and it says... It doesn't say with your heart, your soul, and your strength, and your mind. I mean, the scripture has emphasis with all, all of your heart, with all of your soul. So what is, you know, that's, a, that's an entirety. That's a completeness. That's a wholeness of that type. And with all of your mind. So in other words, you're not getting caught and hung up on other things that you're thinking about. Because you're loving the Lord with all your mind. And the second one there. Leviticus 8, 19, 18, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus identifies these two in the Old Testament, Matthew 22, 34 through 40, as the greatest two commandments in the Old Testament. To love God is to passionately pursue his glory. To love your neighbor is to compassionately, righteously, and responsibly Seek his or her well-being. See, these two verses are inseparable. They go hand in hand with each other. Now in Luke verses 28 through 29, the next slide there, Jesus affirms the answer. But the man wanted to justify himself by asking, and who is my neighbor? See, for us, we would... 
we would understand that everybody is our neighbor. But this guy had limitations. He had limitations on what he wanted to be. So who, who is my neighbor? So he tries to test God and, or test Jesus in asking that. This is how, you know, if, if we're honest with ourselves or either we know people that are this way as well, how many of us are this way in the world today? We want to pick our neighbor. You know, it's easy to love the nice ones, but I got in my notes here, the ones that are horses behind are the ones that are hard to, hard to love, you know? The one that's mean, the one that just may talk about you, the one that you know is not necessarily a good person. They're hard to love, man. They are hard to love. It's easy to go and love somebody that's sweet or somebody that you know has your best interest at heart. But uh, the next slide there, Lynn, a, a guy that was a mentor for me in my life, and this saying has stuck with me all of my life, and it comes from Rick Hughes. Rick came to the school and spoke for a week last year, and he said, Stephen, he said, listen, hold firm to this in your life. He said, you love somebody not because of who they are, but because of who you are. That gives me chills now. Love somebody not because of who they are, but because of who you are, because Christ lives in you. Loving people. That's hard to do, though, guys. I mean, that's, that's easy to say, but, man, that's tough to do. You know, when I've got a parent that comes in, they're ready to chew on my behind at the school, and I'm thinking, i got to love these people. I may not like them, but i got to love them. And i got to take this chew, and we got to get to the other side. So it's tough. It's hard. But what a great statement. See, this old boy's question implied that he had no objective way to determine who he should be loving. You know, this expert, he didn't know who he should be loving. In his mind, there was a limit, or there were certain people that could be loved and certain people that weren't deserving of his love. And that, how many of us have felt that way? Jesus answered, though, as he always does, the parable when he talks about uh, the man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, I, I had to... I had to understand a little bit more about what that trip was. I mean, is that a trip like walking from here to, to Kroger? But no, this is 17 miles, guys. And I don't know if you know about the roads back then. Then I like what we're traveling on right now. I mean, we're talking about, you know, rough terrain. It was a 3,000-foot drop in elevation, 17 miles. So that's about like walking from here to Tyrone and walking back. You know, that's a long trip. And along the way, the journey would be dangerous. There would be robbers along the way. There would be tough situations that this guy would have to endure. So along the way, what happens? He gets jumped. He gets robbed. And he gets beaten half to death. So he's basically left for dead when those guys leave him. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's lying in the road. Obviously, when you're beaten half to death, you're not going to be moving around because that was probably why they left him because he quit moving. Two people passed by him. See, a priest. Well, back then, the priest was someone who was from the Levite tribe. So, you know, he was somebody that was going to be, he would interpret the law and he would, you know, maintain things within the temple. So this, this is a godly guy. I mean, this is somebody you would think would come by and, Lend a helping hand to someone. But no, what does he do? He gets on the other side of the road. He just passes him right on by. 
the Levite, just another person who's in the same tribe, obviously, since he's called a Levite. But he may be a helper to the priest. He may have been somebody that was there. But he comes by. What does he do? The same thing. He doesn't. So see, you could ask yourself, you know, perhaps he was late for work. We've all done that. You're late for work, you just got to go, man. I ain't got time to stop and help somebody change a tire. I don't have time to stop and help someone. Or they could just be getting off work. So he had to get home. So he was rushing. Or perhaps, maybe, you know, back in the day you had to be consecrated before you went into the temple and this guy's all bloody and he didn't want to be uh, infected or deconsecrated. So maybe he didn't help him with that reason. Or possibly he was just worried about being robbed because of what this guy had gone through. See, regardless, they didn't want to be bothered with this guy. So they passed him by on the other side of the road. And the next slide there, it says, the priest and Levite are like many religious people today that hold true to their theology, see, but ignore those around, around them who are suffering and in need. Boy, that can strike a chord now. That can strike a, that can strike a personal chord. I can say that this church impresses me so much. Just like when the tornado came through and everything tore up, people put down what they were doing, went to go help. At Christmas time, you know, 100 and something young children, they got new shoes. The shoes that we're fixing to do for all the kids that are getting ready to start school. See, I, I, have, to, I have to brag on our church because of the things that they do. We don't pass people by. But now we do that as a church, collectively. But we need to make sure that we do that as individuals with fingers within this church as well. See, the next slide says, broken people need someone to show them compassion and give them life, not merely talk to them and pray for them. See, so many times we walk by somebody and they're in need and we say, hey, I'll pray for you, buddy. Gotcha. Keep on walking. And that's good. That's a great thing to do. It really is. I appreciate prayer. There were folks praying for me today that I wouldn't mess this thing up. I was praying for myself. And that was great. But look, prayer is not enough all the time, guys. God wants you to do action. He didn't give you a body. You're not just walking around with just a mind where you could pray for somebody. It's action. Being productive. Being in a marriage. See, you know, marriage is not a noun. A marriage is a verb. You work to let that person you know that you love them. You work to make that marriage successful. In relationships, in friendships, you work. You're doing something. You're not just praying, oh, my goodness, I hope that she ain't mad at me today. You know? No. You work to let her know that you love her and you want to be there with her. See, the priest and the Levite, they ran into a ministry opportunity. But what did they do? They passed it right on by. Have we done that? I have. I have done that. We went to a race one year and racing bicycles up in Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And every, every homeless person we saw, our children felt like we had to give them money. And so I thought, man, man, you know, Heidi and I thought was like, next time. And we did some, but some we didn't. And I still regret that, see. 
because it was bad that our kids had more of a giving heart than we did about trying to help somebody that was in need there. And we thought about things we could do the next year when we went back and so forth. But opportunities, guys, and not letting it pass by. Because you never know. I heard a preacher tell me one time, and this was, this was awesome. I, I, I can't remember who I heard it from, but it was the message that said. They had one of their deacons to dress up as this homeless guy. And he set out, he set out on the steps, had big steps, concrete steps, going up to this big, nice, fancy church. I mean, you know, one of those with all the bells and whistles and $3 million of debt. And the guy sitting over there in like raggedy clothes, had a hat pulled down. He's one of their deacons now. And nobody, nobody said anything to him when they walked into the church. I don't want to be that church. I don't want us to be that church. I don't want us to be those type of people. Not walk by and miss the person that's in there. Because he got on up and he walked up and got into the back pew. And then eventually the preacher said, hey, we have a visitor in the back back here. And he took his hat off. And a lot of people felt ashamed because they walked right by and missed that opportunity. And all they had to do was one person. And I'm talking about now, this was a church that had like eight or 900 people. So it wasn't like three people walked by. Don't miss the opportunity. I see I get made fun of my family, my kids, Barry, because I speak to anybody. You know, I can talk to a stump. Yeah, I can make friends with a stump. But you know, Barry, when we were in Arkansas, just like we talked about with those those guys that walked up, man, they were they were they were kind of rough looking, you know. And and when I started talking with the first one, and then you know what led into us talking about God, and Barry, Barry was like, "Dude, why don't you just shut up?" Sometimes he said, "Why do you feel like you got to talk to everybody?" He said, "We're on a trip, which was trying to," and I said, "Well, Barry, I don't know, man." He said, "What?" And, and and he's thinking safety, and he's thinking right. There's parts of that. You know, because in order to go and speak to somebody, what do you have to do, man? You got to almost take a risk a little bit with that. And I said, Barry, I know, man. But I said, wasn't it awesome? He said, that was awesome. And, you know, he was like, I should have. He said, I should have thought of that. He said, I was too busy. Remember, he said he had the scissors. He was thinking, I'm going to stab the first one that comes at us <laughs> with the scissors. So, oh, but it's so funny, man, how things, I mean, the other day, and, and this, this, this was just the other day. Me and, and, and the kids were up here at the school for a little bit, and we went over here to the Mexican restaurant and ate. And the waitress, you could tell, was, was having a tough day, man. She was an older lady, and, uh, and I said, you know, hey, I want to get a half order of a certain food for my wife to take because Heidi was at home. And, and uh, then the end came around, and we got ready to leave. And we'd been kind of talking to her, trying to encourage her, you know, just being sweet to her. And, and uh, she said, oh, I forgot to ring that up. And I said, that's okay. I said, she takes me back and said she didn't want anything. I said, but I was going to bring her something if she wanted something. And look, that lady, this is what she said. She said, always make your spouse happy. Do the things to make them happy. Because you know what that told me? That told me that we were just trying to make her happy because something was going on at home where she was really unhappy. And we had made her day for, I don't know, 30 minutes. See, I caught, I mean, things happen, and you wouldn't think of it being something little at a gas station, wherever. But anyway, all right, so the next slide, the Samaritan. See, this is the part that I love right here. This is, this is kind of in verses 33 through, through 35. It says, the Samaritan came along. Now, if you guys understand about the, you know, 
Jews and Samaritans at that time. It was a uh, dislike with a hateful passion. So there was a lot of, there was a lot. So for somebody to stop, for a Samaritan to stop and help a Jew because of these bad historical roots. Nevertheless, the Samaritan saw the man, had compassion on him, and it said in the scripture, he bandaged him up. Not only did he bandage him up, but he took him to a local inn, a place where somebody could help him, and then left the guy, left money there for them to continue to take care of him. See, it's funny how Jesus takes those that are despised, rejected, to make his point. He doesn't use somebody, you know, who's got glamour and fame, and, and he uses the least of us to make things happen and to make it evident with people. And it's so funny, you know, been Jesus being born. I mean, what, what's he born in? It wasn't some, you know, Taj Mahal and... I mean, it was, it was in a, a manger. It was in a horse stable. You think about the people that he used as, as his disciples. I mean, a tax collector. Do you know how many people like tax collectors? I would say probably not many at all. Because it's always, oh, my God. Dang, you know, it's that time of year. You've got to pay your tax. Nobody likes them. So, I mean, Jesus takes the people that, that nobody likes, and he makes special things happen. Peter. Peter now, and even though Peter denied Jesus, Peter winds up going and just bringing thousands and thousands of people to the Lord. And here's what I say about our comfort. You know, our neighbors too, in the next slide there, our neighbors too are found in every racial and ethnic group, people all around us. The care shown by the Samaritan demonstrates the care that should be given by all of God's people. No matter what the race is, no matter what the ethnic you know, makeup is, love somebody. See, at the beginning of the school year last year, I had all of my students in here. And I said, let me tell you something. There is no black, there is no white, there is no Hispanic, there is no, I could have went on and on. And I said, there's one race for me. It's the human race. And we're going to love everybody in here. And if you can't get along with that, then you're not going to be here. And see, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. No matter who they are, no matter who's beside you, the good ones and the bad ones, love them. Love them. Get out of your comfort zone and talk to them. And the last slide, the church. The church of Jesus Christ should be a place where wounded people can come, receive love and life. You know, when people are down, prayer is good, but they also want, they also need help. And the fact that you can help them with something, the fact that you can be there with them, the fact that you can comfort them in a time that's, that's bad. We've all had tough times in our life. You know, we, I, can, I can name many times and you guys have, and, and, and I know you will have in the future. But it's what we do with those. Others around us that are suffering. Step out of your comfort zone and help those people. The church of Jesus should be a place where wounded people can come and receive love and life. What a message. What a testament to what we do. And I pray that we keep on doing that. Let us pray. 
Most gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for all that you do for us. Lord, I pray that we have a boldness, Father God, that's given by you. I pray that we have a, a strength mentally, physically, emotionally, to Father God, we would step out. But Lord, I pray that in that stepping out, Lord, that there be safety as well so that we don't get hurt, Father God, in doing your will. Because sometimes there is a risk associated with things, Father God. But Lord, you lay it out so eloquently for all of us. But I pray, Father God, that as this church, we keep moving forward with helping others. Lord, I don't know that I've ever been a part of so many mill trains in my life. But Lord, the fact that this church loves on each other, that our school loves on each other, Father God, is just a, a, another testament of what you do here, Father God. The hearts, the giving the love, the compassion, Father God. Just be with us, Lord, as we continue to show love on others. And, Father God, as we continue to do your will. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.